Um, I think that when you get to manage people, it's like the best part of being a business owner, right? And Or it can be if you do it the right way. Because if you think about it, we get people given to us at a particular time period, right? At a particular time period in their life. And they may be with us and our company for two weeks. They may be with us for two months or 10 years or 20 years, right? But for that period of time, we get to input things into their life that we get to encourage them, we get to train them, we get to develop them. We get to be so that that period of time from the time they come to us and the time they leave us, we get to see them as new people. We get to help them. We get to take them to where they're going to be in the future. What an honor and privilege, right? And human resources is just the tools that you need to take them from that time that they come to you until the time they leave you, right? And leave them better when they leave you than when you got them, right? Because we get the privilege, the very high privilege of managing them. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Entrepreneur Adventure Podcast. And let me say, we are super thrilled to have you with us today. Do the words human resources immediately incite anxiety within you? Well, guess what? The good news is you're not alone and there is a solution. Please welcome our guest, Cindy Filer, founder of Innovative Outsourcing. Cindy has years of experience in the human resources arena. And whether you're hoping to build a human resources department from the ground up or just wanting to connect on a deeper level with your existing employees, Cindy certainly has some wisdom that she can bring to your situation. And with that, I'll turn it over to our hosts, Josh Melton and Chad Brown. We are back on the Entrepreneur Adventure Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the most important thing in your business right now. We're in an environment right now with business where we are struggling to find people to hire, to be able to scale our business. But you know what's way more important? than finding people to hire, it is keeping your best people. If you lose a key component or an employee right now, you're in real trouble as a business. We're going to find out how to keep our best people. Welcome to the podcast today, Cindy Filer. Thanks for joining us. Hey, I'm so glad to be here with you guys today. It's it's kind of an important topic. You know, how do we keep our people? We can't be great owners unless we know how to keep people. So what a, what a great time to, to dive in. No kidding. I could not agree more. I know for me, um, I've been in business 20 years now. I don't ever remember a time in my business career, entrepreneurial journey, where finding people or staffing was so hard and almost next to impossible. And we often forget about finding people means you better keep who you have and you better be able to to continue to build and hang on and find out what's important for the people that uh, that are currently with you and help you get where you're at. So I'm excited for today. I have tons of questions for you. Yeah, and you should have a lot of questions for Cindy. This is going to be like a personal consulting appointment. It really We're is. We're just going to bring our audience and everybody else on the journey with us, Cindy. So uh, Josh, <laughs> you don't have to say much today. I'll lead this thing. It's, and uh, You can truly okay. be the co-host that you were built to be, Man, so uh, you know the the Robin to my Batman. Or yeah, however. yeah, I think that's great. Um, I think Cindy, number one, you're probably going to want to invoice us at the end of this episode I because was thinking that I was just trying to decide how long this was going to be and how much money I was going to make. So yeah, because yeah. Josh good. at theentrepreneuradventure.com. <laughs> Feel free to send it all there. He'll take care. You're going to earn every penny. Uh, and then the great thing about this is that Chad, with what he does professionally, like his his full time business. 
you know, as he's working with business owners and some of the things he may help them do is to build an exit strategy. And not even on purpose, he's always helped his employees build an exit strategy because he's given them so much like longing and desire to get the heck out of the company. And so I really feel like this is going to be a monumental episode for Chad. And I don't mind taking your your normal co-host seat, which I call the back seat. And you can run with this thing, man. So Cindy, let's get started with your story. How did you get into this space? How did you launch and start Innovative Outsourcing? And then tell us, tell me why Chad should listen to you too, because he needs help. <laughs> We're getting no second opinions. You're teach, you're going to help us today, big time. I feel like Chad should just listen to about anybody at this point. But, um, <laughs> but. <laughs> that's, that's the way Josh feels most of the time, unfortunately. <laughs> um, my journey started um, as an employee of Delta Airlines years ago, and I had a degree in mathematical economics from Wake Forest, and then I had been in finance for a year as a corporate lender at First Union. And all of a sudden, I found myself at Delta Airlines. And I was in a management training program because I had to move to Atlanta. My husband had been um, transferred down here, needed to move to Atlanta. And so got a job with Delta. And they said, we're going to put you in this great management training program. And at the end of this program, we are going to tell you what you should do. And you know, this is lots of years ago because I was quite young. And at the end of the program, with my mathematical economics degree and my finance background, they said, you're going to be in human resources. And I was like, what? I'm a data girl. I like math. Like, at that point, you know, HR was touchy-feely. It wasn't very, you know, data-oriented or anything. And I said, why? And I was so angry. And I thought, and, you know, you couldn't really do anything. That was back when Mother Delta kind of chose where they put you. Um, But fast forward all these years later, it definitely was the place I was supposed to be because about that time... That's when data and and analytics was coming into human resources. And so I was able to start in HR at Delta, worked there for a few years. And then I decided to stay home with um, our first son, Matt, um, 26 years ago. Actually, it's been almost 27 now. And um, decided to be a full-time stay-at-home mom. When I got home, I thought, oh my gosh, I miss work so much, but I just felt like for me, I was supposed to be a stay-at-home mom. And so I looked around on the playground and in day, you know, in mother's morning out and those kind of things. And there were other people just like me that wanted to do a little bit of something. And I thought, why is it that back in the day when I was um, out there that you either had to work full-time on site at a company or you had to be at home, you couldn't do both. And so I found innovative outsourcing as a way to bridge that gap as a way to marry the people that wanted to work part-time with companies, especially small businesses that really needed that great high-level expertise for only a small number of hours. So we, we burst innovative outsourcing and I did it for my house. We did it, you know, two hours a week and then five hours a week and then 10 hours a week when the kids were in um, preschool and school. And um, I promised myself a 20 hour a week stop until my kids graduated from high school. Um, and so I hired people all around me. So, you know, I was the owner that could have, could have walked away from her business at any point because I had great staff um, because I had to go to carpool. Um, and so huh. it has just grown and grown and it has been a fun journey. And we do part-time staffing as well as full-time staffing, as well as HR outsourcing now. Um, and it kind of all grew out of me seeing these great moms specifically that were incredible corporate employees, but were on the sideline because of this strange rule that you had to work full-time in order to be worthy. So 
Fast forward now, part-time is really kind of a word, right? I'd like to say I made it a word, but I'm sure I didn't. But uh, anyway, it's it's fun to now see that um, we still can get into a person's life and help them, um, whether they're part-time. Um, we've had a lot of our people work part-time for us for years and years and years, and then they needed a full-time job when their kids went to college and they needed to pay for college. And so because they didn't have any holes in their resumes, we were able to actually put them in full-time work um, because they didn't have that lag in their resume. Because nobody looks and cares if you work 10 hours a week, it's just if you're up to date in your skills. Um, so really fun business and we've placed, you know, around 1100 people. So we're really excited about the work we've gotten to do. So it's when you fun. started out though, like you said, I mean, you're at the baseball game and talking to Sally and Sally says, well, I'm staying home with the kids, but I was this. And you're like, people still need that. And you, and you still need the creative outlet. And again, a lot of moms chose to put their career on hold, not like I'm turning it off forever. And so you're right. helping not to have that big hole in the resume of, you know, 12 years of being a stay-at-home mom, which again, I'm, I have three kids personally, and my wife, you know, stayed at home until the kids got to school. We, were, we have a business, so she's still working some, but it's not, it's like the hardest daggum job in the world, and you learn so much doing it. So it's not like it's a resume hole anyway, but a hiring manager may look at it as like, not the same. So you've been able to help people plug that hole, but also create income for their family they weren't going to create. But I imagine in the beginning, it was that you're meeting people and just finding opportunities to plug them in somewhere? Yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting because there are sometimes, and these are moms and dads, right? We hired a bunch of dads as well. Um, and now we hire people that want to work part-time for various reasons. You know, maybe they have a gig on the side that they want to start, or maybe they just want to work part-time because they're sick of corporate America or lots of different reasons. But when we first started, yeah, it was these moms on the playground that we found that we thought, you're a CPA? Oh, I've got a client that could really use a part-time controller. Oh, you know, you have a background in human resources, a director of HR. Oh, I've got a client that only has 30 employees. They don't need a full-time HR person, but they sure could use somebody five or six hours a week with your skill set. So it kind of allowed people to, and for me, it was a lifeline. Um, I probably wouldn't have been the best full-time stay-at-home mom because I missed my career. I missed connecting with people and using um, my HR brain, right? Um, I, I love it that some people want to be full-time stay-at-home moms, and I love it that some people want to work full-time in the workforce. Um, but for those people that want the part-time opportunity, we wanted to give them an option. That's awesome. And and I love your background. It, it gives me hope because you have a degree in mathematical economics and you're obviously a numbers-based personality, but now you're also uh, great with people. And uh, I feel like that that's hope for me um, <laughs> for, for, from a standpoint of being able to merge into uh, the same direction you have from the people standpoint. I want to I want to slow down for a second and let's get really basic because a lot of our audience uh, consists of small business owners or young entrepreneurs that don't even understand what HR means. So when we talk about innovative outsourcing, we talk about HR, let's let's go real basic for a second. What is HR for the small business yeah. owner? Because we're well, scared of that word. It's like a cuss yeah, word. We're like, like man, we know I, we're doing it wrong. Like where, where I get sued for sexual <laughs> harassment, like the door somebody goes and knocks on. What? What does that mean for the small business owner and somebody uh, from an entrepreneurial standpoint? Yeah, well, I'll give you a picture of what I think it means. Uh, and then we'll talk about some, some different things. But um, I think that when you get to manage people, it's like the best part of being a business owner, right? And Or it can be. 
if you do it the right way. Because if you think about it, we get people given to us at a particular time period, right? At a particular time period in their life. And they may be with us and our company for two weeks. They may be with us for two months or 10 years or 20 years, right? But for that period of time, we get to input things into their life that we get to encourage them, we get to train them, we get to develop them. We get to be so that that period of time from the time they come to us and the time they leave us, we get to see them as new people. We get to help them. We get to take them to where they're going to be in the future. What an honor and privilege, right? And human resources is just the tools that you need to take them from that time that they come to you until the time they leave you, right? And leave them better when they leave you than when you got them, right? Because we get the privilege, the very high privilege of managing them so and leading them. So again, human resources, just all the tools that it takes to do that. It's leadership development. It's, you know, it's from employment where we hire them to leadership development and developing um, their skill sets um, while they're there. So they're more valuable when they leave us. So when they go get that next job or stay with us until they retire, they become more and more and more valuable. And we can say we had a part in that. Because if you think back on it, you had that great boss, right? We've all had that possibly great boss that we say, you know, he changed my life or she changed my life or what they did changed me, right? We want to be that boss. We want to be that owner that somebody looks back and says, oh my gosh, my life is different because of them. And so all of this human resources lingo and everything else are means to that end right? How do we develop people? How do we make it so that when they leave us, they look back and say, wow, I was better for having been there. That's Yeah. The best answer to that I have ever been exposed to and, and put in terms that makes uh, me excited about having an HR program or developing those tools. It's just like we're on our entrepreneur adventure it is the way to make the employee adventure successful and to lead them through the whole components and parts of their journey. I, I really like that a lot. That's a fantastic uh, explanation. And I think we'll connect Oh yeah, with a yeah. lot of our audience there. I mean, Cindy, I, I think I teared up a little bit when you were describing that. It sounded so beautiful. And <laughs> Chad's like, how do I hire Cindy? I got to purchase whatever program she has or outsource this. What's the... Find yeah. me somebody. Yeah, that's right. Now, now we're going to talk about outsourcing and uh, what, <laughs> what that means and how you do that. Uh, and really just, and what a great name, by the way, Innovative Outsourcing. Uh, that in itself just defines uh, your approach and getting outside of the traditional model of uh, stay at home and full time and, and merging that gap in between. So, Tell us a little bit about uh, what your clients look for and the experience and how the cost compares to to hiring somebody and and how that logistics of all this works in in a format that that you all build. Yeah, so we do a couple different things. So um, as I alluded to earlier, the first thing and our greatest, uh, largest revenue side um, is our staffing and recruiting side. So we hire people for people, right? So I like to think that we're kind of the bachelor, right? So, you know, we go out and we get great candidates for people and then we give them two or three candidates and they decide who gets the rose, right? It's like the best, 
you know, hopefully all three of those candidates are so good that you go, oh my gosh, I have to have all of them. That would be awesome. That's so funny. The that's exactly. Bachelor. I think we got a TV show on our hands. That's, that's exactly that's how Chad used to see himself. I'm like, man, you're not that well, sharp. Well, see, Cindy, <laughs> one time I gave a rose to an employee and I had to see HR. So I knew there was a connection there, but I couldn't quite figure out how Finally, it all came together. Businessbachelor.com. You got it, Chad. <laughs> I like it. So yeah, that's kind of what we do. And so we have a, a intake process at the front end that's probably more intense than most because I feel like culture is huge and I'm guessing you guys do too um, because I can find somebody with a great skill set but I got to know a ton about your culture to make somebody stay there Um, because usually the average that if people use us it stays about four times longer than if people hire themselves that's been our run rate so we need to make sure that we totally understand the company so we have like a whole lots of things we go through to make sure we have all of that information. Um, And then, yeah, we hire for people. We hire part-time, we hire full-time, we hire for small businesses mostly. Um, We do have medium and large businesses too, but really small businesses that don't have an HR team or have a small HR team are really um, the ones that can utilize us. Um, And then in addition, we do um, HR outsourcing. Oh, well, wait a minute. On the hiring side, we do where we can hire somebody directly onto somebody's payroll, or we have an option, which is the outsourcing option, which is they can stay on my payroll. Um, Because a lot of small businesses just want somebody to stay on our payroll and don't want to put them on theirs um, because they need to be a W-2 employee. They may not do that. So anyway, we can do that. And then the second thing we do- Hold on, two questions there before we jump uh, from that. Uh, From a number standpoint for the business owner, is that if they choose to- to not become an employee uh, of the business, I assume that's some sort of tack on for your part. That, that's an additional hourly rate or an additional weekly uh, pay that covers that. And then if 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 it's a connection and, and they're a full-time hire, is th- there's a fee to your side? Is that how the logistics work? Uh, the direct hire, there's a placement fee. Pretty easy. It's about 20% of the first year salary. If there is a um, person who they want to keep them on our payroll, it's kind of an upcharge to their hourly wage and all that's on our website. So it's pretty interesting. Nice. So, so there's an option for whatever experience the business owner um, wants to engage in on whatever level of that hiring process. That's really cool. Okay. Sorry, I interrupted. Keep going from there. And then the other piece is our thriving piece, which is also marketed under innovative outsourcing. And that is our product where we come in and we handle the company's human resources. Um, We realized that human resources needs to be done. And I know today we're talking about how to attract and retrain talent. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But um, our thriving product actually uh, was born out of companies that were small, you know, 40 employees or less um, that said, hey, we want this great high level HR, but I don't have anybody to do it. And hiring somebody part-time looks a little scary. So can you guys just do it for us? Can you come in and do all of the things that need to be done for our employees and we don't have to be good at it, right? Because we want to be good at the stuff that we're good at. We want our employees to be taken care of and we want this great experience for our employees, but we don't have the the margin to do that. So let's bring in some experts to do that. And so we outsource that HR for for a fee per month based on employees and those kind of things. And, and that's amazing there. And I think that's a piece that I didn't know existed. Um, that's that's a scary place for me because I don't know how to hire an HR manager right. because I don't know how what the HR components are. So I can't train or teach or decipher uh, who's the right hire when I don't have the tools uh, uh, that are there. For yeah, you're like, hey, I need to. I'm like, I don't. 
I need to hire an expert, but how do I know they're an expert? I, I need to hire you for this thing that I know nothing, nothing about. about. And, yeah, so yeah, how you make a good so hire. So this gives a, an option there that's a much safer, um, I think, uh, less risky approach for a business owner to, to spend in, in that level and engage. So I'm sure Cindy can say, like, hey, after spending 10 minutes with you guys, you are 100% correct. Y'all should not be hiring anyone yeah, yourselves. You, not, you yeah. need yeah, you something. Are not qualified. <laughs> Have you ever turned down a client? Have, have we? Yeah, like okay. if I reach out, are you going to tell me like, eh, sorry, Chad, uh, you're 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 yeah, way too far gone. To go, but, um, yeah, we we definitely are very picky with our clients because if you come in and I say that I want to handle your human resources, I need to make sure that you love having employees and that you're for your employees because I don't want to come in and put together policies and procedures that are not what I think should be. Right. So okay. yeah. it's what the owner thinks, but then again, if the owner is like, my employees are assets, I don't care what they think. I don't care how they like it here. Then we're probably not the best fit for them. So what if you run into a, a situation, Cindy, where you have business partners and one partner is the ideal client for you. And then another partner, not mentioning any names, but let's say the other partner isn't such a great fit. I mean, does the, does the good, better looking partner went out or does the, <laughs> the we usually make partner. sure that the employees don't have any contact with the other partner okay well we're good then we're good <laughs> fill out the, i'll fill out the application we, on your website we all know our lanes <laughs> hey listen do you, speaking of do you outsource business partners if i was in the market for a business partner is that something that you make it we can my always current, my current business yeah, you know, and especially if you don't want to tell your business partner you're trying to replace them, we we do like we call silent searches, so <laughs> nobody really knows until you're ready to get rid of them. So. Yes, okay. I, I need somebody that shows up before two and stays past four, um, and just uh, has a little bit of humility. I mean, that's if you could if you could go with that and come back to me sometime this week, we'll talk. Happy okay. to play a placement fee, like whatever it takes. I'm in. I can't understand why we have a problem building our tribe and retaining our talent. So Cindy, this is the, this is so, the question so, of the hold, hour. Hold on right? now. Hold on. Let me ask you this. This just, is why people, to, this is why people to, leave the company right just here. Just to make sure I understand. <laughs> um, if I required all of my team to wear blue vest on Wednesdays, that would probably be something that wouldn't line up uh, in a Probably HR not. Of, I would definitely have to caution you against that. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to that, developing your team, because uh, again, going it was your definition of human resources and that aspect of taking people and helping them to to develop and becoming you know if whether they stay with you forever or whether they you know leave on the other side of your job, but they're they can be a better asset to their next employer because they have more skills, they have more leadership, they have more competence. I'd really love Cindy for you to talk to us about that because I, I think this is something too where a lot of people start their entrepreneur adventure. Because maybe they're good at a certain craft. Maybe they're a great baker. Or maybe they're a great accountant. And they so they start doing that, and they're good at it. So it creates that need to expand. But they're not good at develop, developing people. So how do we even start? Like, start us in the elementary level here of personal development for your team. Because I think we got a lot to learn, right, Chad? Like, this a is a absolutely ready and students here. And, and I do think this is a topic where a lot of, a lot of business owners – are rock stars at what they do. They're high performers in one specific level and, and aren't great at focusing time or energy on developing people and understanding that importance. So how do, 
as business owners, yeah, how do we keep our best people? How do we even start that process and 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 understand that's the biggest piece of scaling your business is the people side? Yeah. So um, the most important thing is for people to understand the importance of it. Right. So a lot of people are like, well, my people are fine. You know, it's no big deal. If people leave every once in a while, it doesn't really matter. Um, there's this book called The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. It's one of my favorites. It will put you to sleep at night. I'm kidding. It's as good. Um, but I encourage all my um, business owners to read it because it is a great tool to show the data and the empirical data on how companies that have focused their attention on these issues we're about to talk about in retention and hiring um, fare so much better from a profit standpoint than companies that don't. And it is clear. And so it takes two companies in the same industry at the same period of time, and it shows how one focused on their employees and one didn't. And the one that did made so much more money. So for those entrepreneurs out there that are like, hey, I, I make this widget, I do this service, I love what I do, the people thing, it'll just take care of itself. Well, the studies show and this data shows that if we do the things that we're about to talk about, that we'll actually make more money. We'll get to make more widgets, we'll get to sell more services, right? Because we've taken care of our people. So that's why it's important. Um, even if you don't want to tell that great story to that employee about this is where you were and this is where you are now and I wanna be there to help you. Maybe you don't wanna be that person. If you just wanna be the, I wanna make more profit person, then you should do these things too, right? So there is a reason. So every time I speak, I, I talk about that because otherwise human resources just looks like, oh my God, I, fill out, I gotta fill out that form, right? Um, but if we knew that the things that we did actually will impact our bottom line positively or negatively, we would probably spend more time doing it, right? Um, and that kind of leads to, you know, to me, the biggest, um, the biggest determination point about whether employees are engaged or not, that's the, that's the term, right? That's how we keep our people. Are they engaged? Do they feel like when they're at our company that they understand their work, they like their work, they like the environment, they like the people that they work with, and they feel they're making a difference? And that's the definition of employee engagement, right? And so there's all these studies, all these studies and all these tests out there that'll give you your employee engagement scores and that kind of thing. But we can find out like how engaged are your employees? And the number one way that employees get engaged, there's this great book called It's the Manager. And that's the definition. It's the manager, right? Um, the direct supervisor, the manager is the number one reason people are engaged or not engaged at their work. It's amazing. And why are managers so bad at being managers? It's because um, I'm 54, 55 now. Oh gosh, and now I'm 55. Um, but the management training programs died back when I was young, right? Because we stopped having money for them and everything else. So nobody went through leadership training, supervisor training, those kind of things died. And so we have forgotten how to, how to manage and lead people. Nobody has taught people how to do that. And so I think that's where the rub is because we're expecting our supervisors and our managers who have never had any training doing this to be great supervisors and managers, right? Um, and yeah, it's like, you know, having you be an accountant and getting judged on your accounting if you've never been to accounting school. That doesn't make any sense, right? So we need to really train our managers how to manage. And that's the biggest, biggest thing we need to do. Um, and so to be a great manager, 
they have to be self-aware. They have to have, you know, high emotional quotient. They need to love their people more than just what their people can do for them. Um, and the studies have shown that the people um, that work for great managers, they're over 40% more engaged than people that don't. And the number one reason people leave their companies and decide to, to go to a different company is because of their manager. It's interesting. So I, I personally... And my team can tell you probably a month ago, I don't like the term manager because I don't mm -hmm. think anybody hears the word manager unless they're being promoted and they're becoming a manager. Like that's when it's like, oh, it's a it's a fun sounding word then. But if anybody ever says my manager, it's very rarely spoken of with like regard. That's like we're not saying manager anymore. You're not a area manager. You're an area leader because I expect you to be a leader. Management seems so status quo to me. Like leader doesn't seem that way. So just trying to change some of the corporate language on our side sure. to try to speak into people being leaders. But I would say this, Cindy, is that I think that I know for me personally, if I in people that are leaders on my team, I can see what I believe to be good leadership and maybe leadership sometimes that isn't as good. But yeah. knowing how to get somebody from where they are to that spot is what's difficult for me. So I'm like, sure. man, I can recognize good leadership, but I can't always walk somebody to that development piece. Not only had, can we not only walk somebody to that development piece, we have took really amazing employees and made them horrible managers, just right. totally wrecked their career and, and made their position with our company uh, miserable. So yeah, walk us through. Well, and we did that with giving people opportunities yeah. that we did not train them for. And, and as entrepreneurs, we're like, wow, we'll give you opportunity yeah. and a chance to make a lot more money everybody wants that and we'll all win, but it, it doesn't work that way. Right. Well, when you're a great employee, you should have two different schools of thought on what happens with your career. You know, it could be the, you have a desire and a heart to really manage other people. Right. And so we put you on a management track. You have the propensity to do it. You have the, you know, you have the background to do it. You have um, the desire to do it um, and you have the personality to do it. So they can be on a management track. And then the second um, track should always be an individual contributor track, right? Because not everybody that needs to um, move up in an organization needs to manage people because a lot of people are not built to manage others, right? They don't want to manage others. And so if we only give them the idea, like you can make more money if you manage people, um, there should be, at least in a company that is of some size, to have an individual contributor track so that they can keep making more money and doing something great and greater and greater, but not have to manage because um, that makes people be put in a situation where they're not ready or they're not willing or they're just going to be bad at it. I've never even heard of that before, if, individual if, contributor track. That's, yo, if, if you will share your address, a lot of my team is going to be sending you gifts <laughs> this week. Um, I have screwed this up over and over and over again for about the last 20 years. The only reason I know that is because I did the same thing, right? <laughs> so, you know, and corporations have just now started figuring this out. You know, they 10 years ago, everybody that got promoted got promoted into a management rank. And so now there's individual individual contributor, you know, tracks. And that's really very important. And so as you're thinking about scaling and building your business, you have to think about what about those people that really aren't built to lead people, right? And so how do we create a job or a or a career path for them? Because 
a big reason people leave small businesses is because you haven't given them a path, right? And that doesn't mean that if you're a small enough business that you can't have accountant one, accountant two, accountant three, right? Maybe it's not a path like that. But if you created that path for them to say, okay, if you do well in your current role and you don't want to manage people, then we're going to keep you in your role. We may change your title and we're going to give you the additional responsibility um, or additional management responsibility of say projects and those kind of things without people. Um, and this is your new track because one of the reasons people leave companies and, and, and don't retain is because they really want a path they can see, right? And you haven't given them one. And so it's really important for us to focus on that for not only the people that want to lead and then give them great training on how to lead people, right? Send them through great training, but also for those people that don't want to lead, give them an option. Yeah, I think sometimes for small business owners, especially if it, it was if it's someone who started as a solopreneur and they start building their team, that it can be difficult to create that like, hey, here's where we're going in the future and here's your next position because the position position hasn't been created yet. And it feels so much on the leader, like on the entrepreneur back. Like, well, I don't know if I can if I promise Chad that position, like if I can lead us there or not. I, I see some reluctance from people I've talked to about that specifically, but I got a different question for you on the management track versus the individual contributor track. Does someone have to be a good individual contributor to land on the management track? Or do you see some people sometimes you're like, this person is not like necessarily the best and they're not, maybe they're not ultimately task oriented. So they have leadership potential, but if you put them just on their own merit or on their own performance, like they're gonna, they're not going to rise very far in the company. Do you differentiate between that or does everybody have to be a good individual contributor uh, before they get to a management track level? I feel like if you aren't good at doing the thing, you're not going to be very good at managing the thing. Yeah, we but see oftentimes, especially in the sales world though, where it's like the exact opposite, where like somebody is phenomenal at the, they're, they're the best salesperson and they're like, oh my God, this guy's, he's great. So if we can just get him to teach everybody else what the, he's doing then, or what she's doing, then we'll be great. And they put him as sales manager and they're awful. Like yeah, they just can't get that other people to perform. Put in that track, right? Yeah. They should stay in the individual contributor track. Yeah. Which brings me to the question as the business owner, can a business owner choose what track they want to stay on and hire out the rest. As an entrepreneur, can I say, hey, I want to be an individual contributor to this company. I don't want to manage the people. I want to go perform and pay somebody else. Is that a reasonable approach to growing your business? Yes and no. So in the early years, when it's you and two other people and the two other people is a part-time bookkeeper and a part-time executive assistant, no, you have to manage them, right? Okay. Because yeah. we're not any one of those people manage them. There is a time at a critical point in a company where you have to make a decision. Am I going to be kind of the visionary leader who goes out and, you know, does speaking engagements and does that? And I have a COO that does all of that management of people, right? But that's usually not at the very beginning of a company. You know, if you have, have you read E-Myth? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Remember that, remember that book? It was kind of, it was new back when I was starting my company, believe that or not. But the thing that I always take from that is that you need that org chart in your head, that future org chart. And right now, you know, you have it, what it's going to look like in two years or three years. And right now your name is in every box as an entrepreneur. 
And then you number the boxes. You know, first I'm going to get the bookkeeper because I honestly don't know how to do accounting. And then I'm going to get the, um, you know, the marketing person because maybe I'm not very good at marketing, right? And so you've numbered all these boxes, you know, what needs to happen next. And at some point you're going to say, hey, we've reached a critical number. I can hire somebody with a high enough salary now that they manage all these people. Absolutely. And is that typically what you see as the way to a scalable, higher successful opportunity for the business is to hire that position instead of the owner still trying to carry that weight uh, along with being the visionary? Yeah, I, I think our worth as business owners is how well the business can run itself without us being there, right? And so maybe that's you have one COO that runs all the people. Maybe it's that you have three managers that run all the people. I don't know exactly what that looks like for everybody's individual businesses. But if you can't at some point, not in the first five years of your business, but if in a mature business, small business, if you can't step away for a couple of months and everything won't crash, then it's probably not a successful business, in my opinion. So how do we look around us and say, what are the unique things that I can do? right? That I'm good at, that I have get energy from, right? What are the things that I am best at? And then how do I hire around that so that I complement everything that I don't do, right? And I think the big mistake sometimes an entrepreneur thinks is that I'm good at everything, right? Because sometimes we have a lot of arrogance as entrepreneurs, right? Because we, we think we we can leave the corporate company and we can start the thing ourselves. We're smart. We can read the book about marketing. We can read the book about HR. We can read the book about finance and we can be better than any people we hire. But the best entrepreneurs that I get to work with are the ones that know their lane. They know I'm great at making this widget. I'm great at providing this service, but I'm going to get experts at all the other things. Yes, I could learn them. I'm really, really smart. That's what some most entrepreneurs say. But I know what I'm inherently best at, and I'm going to hire the best people around me, people that are way better at finance, human resources, marketing, or whatever than I am. So some people feel like they're the business bachelor, and they got it all together. But then there's people that hire you and hire your company that they recognize their own, like, hey, I'm really good at this, but I I need help over here, and I can bring it in from outside. Exactly. Because that's kind of how we have to grow things. Now, I did that not because I was smart and not because I'd read enough books, but because I had to get to carpool. So literally, I had to like turn off at two o'clock and I had to not start until nine. So I had to hire all the people around me because I couldn't work anymore. Right. And so I had to hire the best recruiters and the best controllers and all the best everything because I wasn't around. So if you build it with kind of that in mind, Um, Now, again, you can't do that at the beginning. You know, at the beginning, you have to put in your time and try to do everything you can to make it survive, right? But then when you're making it thrive, that's when you have to be strategic about who's my first hire, my second hire. How do do I hire the people around me so that I am doing the thing that I do best? And and I want to dive into that there. Uh, Let's do a hypothetical case study. Uh, that may or may not be based on real life. Let's say there is a, an accounting or a CPA firm. They have 12 employees and they've existed for 50 years. And it is the scenario where if the owner walks away for a week, things are okay. 
uh, high performance employees. They're great at what they do. If the owner walks away for two months, it would fall apart and crash and burn. Um, The owner helps keep the wheels on. The owner makes daily decisions, puts out fires, and the owner has clients that that's a relationship there as well. That's a performance factor for bringing in revenue. Where in this hypothetical case study do you start this process? Where where do you start? Where would I? I mean, this case study begin. Uh, where, where would your friend start? What piece does, needs to be added first, uh, based on your experience there? This is where that consulting dollar clock starts. That's <laughs> Josh, <laughs> Josh will pay hypothetically. <laughs> hypothetically. Um, I think it's really important to decide a time frame. Like in two okay. years, I want to be able to leave here for three months. Mm. Right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Right. So let's say that's my goal. How do I get to that goal? So what are the things that's falling through the cracks now in your business from a people standpoint that may make it run for one week, but maybe not for two months? My guess is business development. That seems to always be the the thing that nobody can do as well as the owner is business development because they have the passion for the business. And that's that's sometimes the hardest thing to find. You can find a salesperson, but can you find a business development person that can do it as well as you? And that just takes a lot of trial and error. It's a tough one. For those, um, for my friends that own companies and my clients, it's probably the hardest thing to fill. Um, and then if it's the operations side that's having a hard time, that one really need, you know, that, that would crash and burn in those two months, then that really needs, that is the easiest thing to fix, right? That means that somewhere we've missed hiring the correct people in HR, finance, and in regular operations, you know, manage regular office operations. So you've got to identify why would it crash and burn? And then you've got to say, okay, how do we fix it? What are the holes that aren't right? And then how much effort do I want to have in the business? You know, and when do I want to be able to get out um, to do these other things and say, you know, and be gone for several months at a time? Again, I'm not an absent business owner, but in order for my company to run like it should be, I, I, I should be able to be, right? Because I don't want these people that I am investing in as my employees and all those people out there that work for the companies that I work for to suffer if something happens to me or if I win the lottery and move to Tahiti, right? So again, I really want them to be okay. So in order for them to be okay and for me to be a good steward of my company, I need to make sure that it's it can go without me. And I think that relates to a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs. I don't, I don't for me personally, I love what I do. I love coming into the office. I love being with my team. Uh, I don't ever want to be in a position where I'm not a part of that or, or I'm retired and not working, right. but I also don't want to have to be there 40 hours or 50 or 60 hours a week. Um, I, I want to, when I'm there, I am exponentially adding value in higher levels. And I think that's the goal for, for the entrepreneur and the business owner. And that's the path that it's hard to juggle and figure out. And this this really helps. That was an amazing answer, by the way. Um, well, and I really want people to understand that that's a process. You know, yeah. if you have owned your business for a year, you are not going to be there, nor should you be, right? Sure. That is 
something that comes down the road that is, um, and that's the, you know, we call it a human resources strategy, right? We have the cash flow strategy, we have the marketing strategy, but a lot of times we forget that human resources strategy, you know, and the strategy at the beginning is how do we get people that we can afford, right? So that we can grow our company without having to go into debt, right? You know, so that's kind of the first one. And then you get into the, oh, well now I need experts, right? So I have a little bit more money. I can make sure that we get not just the cheapest bookkeeper we can find, but a really good one, right? And so then that's 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 that next stage. And then as your strategy develops, then you're starting to think, how am I working myself out of a job? Even if I want to be here and we'll be here 40 hours a week, how am I working myself out of a job so that my people are secure, right? No matter what, what goes on with me. So again, these are the stages in a business and the stages of HR strategy, right? That's the fun part about HR. It's not the forms that you fill out and the, you know, the letters that you get from the Department of Labor. That's the, how do we create the people side of the business so it matches what I want the business to look like. It's such an interesting thing. Um, I, this is something I would love to hear you talk about, Cindy, because I've, I've gotten hung up on this over the years. This question of, by the way, there's there's a book called Traction by Gina Wickman. Are you familiar with that one? Yeah. All right. So I read that book and I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like, now what? Like, how do you make this happen? So we've, we utilize Traction. We've been part of that EOS system. Um, okay. One of the I say challenges I have with EOS, and it's just probably because this is the way I'm wired, but is the right seats versus right people question. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on, do you, and I know at different stages of business, it may be different, but when you're starting out, maybe you're, you know, one to 10 employees in from a full-time level, are you more looking for the positional hire to fill the circle? Or are you more looking for where's the right people let me get them on the bus and then we can figure out, you know, the perfect seat or it's like, no, I already know what the perfect seat is. And I just got to wait till I find the, you know, a good enough person, which do you think is the most valuable perspective uh, for that stage of business where it is, you know, we're yeah. five, 10 employees. Yeah. I would say I have kind of an unpopular view on this. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I think that it's really important to hire people with incredible skill sets because I a lot of times think that entrepreneurs love to interview, like, like for instance, an entrepreneur's first hire is sometimes a bookkeeper, right? So I'll get with a new entrepreneur and they'll say, I need a 30 hour week bookkeeper or a 20 hour week bookkeeper. So we send them people that are bookkeepers, right? To interview. And we wanna make sure that they're in their industry. We wanna make sure that they've got great experience because the entrepreneur probably doesn't have a finance background. So we need them to be like a full charge, really heavy bookkeeper, right? So then I send them into interviews and I give them those three great candidates waiting for who gets the rose kind of thing. And they call me and they're like, I don't wanna go for a beer with them. Like I want somebody who I like, that's gonna like, we're gonna to wanna to hang out together. And I'm like, you know, you're a sales guy. You're not going to want to hang out with the bookkeepers. And the bookkeepers that you want to buy um, that have this great personality and talk all day, they're not a good bookkeeper. So a lot of times if we have people that want to like, I want to hire my friend and I want to train them to be their HR person. Well, that's probably not a good plan um, at the very beginning of a company. I would make sure that you get people that are skilled at what they do and share your values of your company. 
And maybe they don't have the personality that you love because a bookkeeper in many cases is going to be quiet, heads down. They like numbers. They don't want anybody to bother them. They need peace and quiet in an office. And they're not going to be the kind of people that are going to kind of cavort with you and like, you know, want to hang out and all go to lunch together. But so does that make any sense of how that's different? Because sometimes people want to get people on the bus that, you know, I have these four great friends and we all want to do a business together. Yeah, nobody knows how to do accounting. Nobody knows how to do HR. Nobody knows how to do marketing, but they're really nice guys and we'll just train them to do it. Well, that doesn't work well. So skill set is really important. And then that they understand and connect with your company and the values. Those things are crucial. Um, when I hire, we use something, I don't know if you have heard of the book called The Ideal Team Player. It's also a Patrick Lencioni book and it tells you how to hire, which is great because anytime somebody engages with us, even if they get a proposal from us and don't use us as a client, we send them this book. Any candidate that gets an interview with us, we send them this book because it's so important because it is how to use, how to hire, how to know what kind of people to hire, right? And it's three components, hungry, humble, and smart. Hungry, right? They want really, 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 really want um, to do the right job. They want to work really well. They want, they're hungry. They want, they have a lot of drive and ambition. Um, humble, right? Sometimes we forget to hire for that. Um, that's, you know, what kind of person are they going to be to work with? Are we going to have a humble person to work with? And then um, smart. And that's not intelligent. It's emotional quotient. It's do they know what it's like to be on the other side of them? Do they know um, what it's like to work with them? And can they get along well with others, right? So are we hiring for those things? Do we know how to hire for those things? Um, and if we do, and if they match our values, and if they are hungry, humble, and smart, and they have a trade that we are looking for, then we hire them. We had a guy on our team before, and it's kind of funny <clears throat> because, and I think if I'm right, Lencioni describes this term in, in the ideal team player, the lovable slacker. Is that from ideal team player? So it's it like, is. this is a guy that you would love to go have a beer with. Right. But if you work with them, you're going to hate them from, at work because they're not a go-getter. You know, if you're yeah. an entrepreneur, this isn't going to be the right person. And we've had a couple of those too in our career as business partners together. But I do love that. The, the thing is, I think you said there, Cindy, is that the right person piece of that. You're looking for skills first. You need they need to have the skills for what you need them to do. But that values piece is like that's the right person component that's going in there as well. But I do like you answered my question by saying look for the skill set first, and then make yeah. sure they got the value contribution as well. Instead of just always looking values first and then putting them in you know parking them somewhere and hoping that they can do a good enough job doing whatever, so you can get to that next level. Yeah. Now a big company does have a bigger company that uh, maybe over a hundred employees. They do have a little bit of a luxury there um, because not every position is so critical to get the job done. They can sometimes, if they find somebody, for instance, we have a client of ours that kind of always, we're always looking for candidates that would fit them, you know, and it's almost a personality, a skill set. We know their companies, usually we get to know our clients companies so well that it's like we can spot the people that should work there, right? Um, and so when we find people for some of these big companies, even if they don't have a job open, a lot of times they hire them and they they work them in because they're big enough teams that you don't have to have somebody who's, you know, producing day one. So that is a luxury that big companies do have. Question for you there. You're talking about these services and they sound amazing. I mean, I feel like we're talking about like million dollar services here. Uh, 
most business owners have never experienced that level of HR or service, even know what it looks like or how much it costs. Is this something that's available for companies that have five people or 50 people or 200 people? How do I know as a business owner when I can start affording or making the smart financial decisions to go this route and to connect with you on, okay, I, I love the way this sounds. This sounds amazing, but my God, what does this cost and how does this work? Yeah. So our company was really built to work with small companies. That's kind of, that's kind of my favorite. Um, I do do a little bit of work with Delta still, but um, I, I have in the past. So, and I love big business HR, but I find that when we work with small businesses, we get to change the course of the ship really fast. And that's really fun, right? We get to go in and we get to say, in fact, I have this client that we've done thriving for. And um, she was a, um, they, they were litigators and they had kind of a caustic office culture. And so we got to spend time with them over several years and we kind of did their HR for them. And one day I got a call from one of the lawyers that worked on their team and she said, you'll never guess what. And I said, what? And she said, the doors are open in our office for the first time. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, because they used to come in, slam the doors, nobody talked to each other. And she said, I think it's working. The doors are open. And then about two months later, I got a call and she said the head litigator made them brownies. Huh. And I know for some of us, we have different <laughs> Not like a win, but for this company, that was a huge win. And so it's so fun working with these little businesses that, um, you know, I have a little business and but working for these small businesses where you can change the culture. You can take the things that to me seem really easy and well, why wouldn't we do that, right? And go to people that that's not their thing because they're great litigators, right? But great litigators generally don't have the best office culture because it's kind of argumentative. Right. And so we create a different culture there and we can change the experience of employees at a small business. So anyway, that's why I work with small businesses. There's more money in big businesses, but it's more fun in small businesses. Right. Just way more fun. So, so you so, have solutions that will work for. We do. I mean, we started a thousand dollars a month for our HR thriving product. And, you know, we've quoted up to 6,000 a month for our HR thriving product. And that really product is very much for small business. If you have over hundred employees, you need me to hire you an HR person directly. You don't need that to use that service. That's awesome. And, and I'll tell you, if I showed up tomorrow with brownies, uh, my team will be worried. A, are they about to lose their job? B, <laughs> am I dying? Like, what is going on here? So, <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's definitely a... surprised as well. But it is amazing how much um, just little things can make a big difference. Yeah, well, I'll tell you one of the things, Cindy, you're talking about here too. In, in going back to the hire for the skill, uh, this goes into what Chad said earlier: is that you know, if you're trying to hire someone to take care of your HR. Uh, specifically, most small business owners they have no idea who they need to hire. They know how, they have no idea what that skill set actually needs to be. And I think it's true for a lot of the positions within their company. I tell the, my team, I'm like, look, it's my responsibility to hold you accountable to do your job. But at the same time, I want you to understand, I suck at your job, which is why you have it. Like that's why you have the opportunity. So it's like we just got to realize, like I'm going to be humble with this because. You're capable of doing your job better than I'm than I am. It's like, but at the same time, my job is to hold you accountable, right? So like, you're I'm like, hey, you're being weak right here. I would be weak there too, but that's not my skill set. So a, a lot of companies, I think, have that challenge between making the right hire because we just don't. 
I don't know what the skill set is that's needed to do that job. I just know I don't have it. So I'd assume that the or game, I don't want to do it. I don't, don't want to it. have it. I don't want to have it. Like I just I either I'm not interested in it or I hate it. So let me outsource that thing. Which I think, as you said, a lot of times for small for these uh, type A idea generating entrepreneurs, the last thing they want to be is the money guy for their business. Like, let me get the bookkeeper to do the details. So right. my assumption is through through your thriving program, that's something you guys do too with HR. Is like, hey, I'll help you hire the right people because you guys know the questions to ask. You know what the skill set should be to do a lot of jobs that we probably wouldn't know how to hire somebody good for that. We just know we're not good at it. Yeah. So with our HR line, you know, if they're a big enough company, we hire a full-time person. Um, if they're small, we actually outsource their HR. So they're not hiring an HR person. We're actually doing it for them. And there's three pieces of HR, you know, because you did ask the question earlier, and I kind of said it from a global big 30,000 foot perspective, but there's three types of HR. Um, there's compliance, and that's the stuff that you guys probably have heard of. And that's yeah, the, that's the one we, we don't like. <laughs> Yeah, that's the one you don't like. That's the, you know, you've got to do the I-9s. You need to, you know, file unemployment when you need to. You know, all of that stuff is the how to stay out of jail HR. That's number one. Number two is the day-to-day -day HR. And that is um, the person comes into my office and says, I don't like my supervisor. What do I do? That's the person comes into my office and says, um, I am having an issue um, that I, I have a disability and I can't do my job. And we tell the manager, don't say anything, just say thank you for that information and then call us, right? You know, those are those day-to-day -day HR things, employee reviews, managing those, making sure those get done, all of that kind of stuff. That's day-to-day -day HR. So that's the number two. So compliance is number one, day-to-day -day HR is number two. And number three is that HR strategy we talked about. You know, I'm thinking about acquiring a company in two years. What should I do to make sure that we're ready to do that from an HR perspective? We're going to grow 20%. What's our next three hires and what do we need to look at? Gosh, we lose employees quicker than we are getting employees. What's our retention problem? What do we need to do to change that? You know, I love the way you use the term strategy there because mm -hmm. I see so many owners and businesses and managers build strategy around growth and customers and uh, the financial side of where their business is going, uh, the sales process. I don't know a single company or business owner that builds a strategy around maintaining or keeping employees. There isn't a system for it. There isn't a plan. There's no thought or effort or strategic approach to putting effort or energy there. And I think that's... It, an amazing connection there for us as business owners, for our audiences. If you put any effort into that piece, it's probably better than you're doing now. And if you put as much effort into that piece as you do into acquiring the customers or growth or hitting these revenue numbers, it would, it would be a phenomenal place to work. And you wouldn't, ha you probably wouldn't have to go recruit because people would probably be dying to work yeah. for you. It's an afterthought at best for most of us. Like best, if it's a thought at, at all, best. it's an afterthought. Yeah. That's never resonated to right now. Yeah, let's say that you have this new idea and the new idea is going to have a 25% growth in your company. So you have this meeting, you have this strategy meeting in your company and you invite in the, the finance director because, okay, if we do that, we're going to have to 
borrow some more money because of this, or we're going to have to get another investor or whatever. So you have that the finance person's at the table because that's really important. You have the marketing person at the table because if we want to roll out this new product, what are we going to do from a marketing, from a social media perspective, and that kind of thing? You should also have the HR strategy person at the table to say, once we do that and we grow 25%, what is our people strategy going to look like? Because we don't want to overwork our people because then they're quit because that's one of the top reasons people leave is because they're overworked. And why do we overwork them? Because they're our best performers. And so our best performers quit because we've overworked them and they don't tell us that, right? So again, having that HR strategy person at the table, along with the finance strategy person, the marketing person, and the CEO, that creates that, how do we create a whole strategy, right? And when you don't have the HR side, um, you're missing probably your largest cost, Right. Because our people in most cases, unless you're, you know, kind of a manufacturing firm, your people are your largest investment. Right. And so if you don't have that sitting at your table, you're really kind of missing out on an opportunity to 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 make that next move better. So two questions for you, Cindy, kind of as we land the plane here. Oh, the first question I want to ask you is just more specifically about your business is the, who do you see as like kind of the, the barrier of entry for someone to become a client of yours, whether from like a, hey, this is how much revenue they're doing, or this is how many employees they may have when they become uh, an, ideal, can't, an ideal client for you on the bottom end. That's question number one. And then you can kind of take us into question number two here. Is I feel like a lot of people when it comes to bringing in an HR consultant or outsourcing their HR, it's kind of like the individual who's going to sit down with a financial planner. And you're like, man, the last thing I want to do with my financial planner is get my credit cards out or show me my car note. Or, you know, it's like this, I've been hiding this almost for so long. There's this vulnerability. So I'm like, well, man, I don't want to call Cindy and be like, well, Cindy, this is what we've been doing. And you're going like, ooh, like, you know, oh gosh, like that's- I think How are that's, you still in business? Yeah. I wasn't even working for I, you. I yeah. think that's a legitimate fear though that a lot of small business owners have when they're looking at bringing in the HR. So it's- Again, kind of like young men going to the doctor or getting, we I don't know the last time you were at the doctor, Chad. Case studies. Yeah, I mean, some friends of ours. But, you know, it's <laughs> like, you don't go, you don't go, you don't go, you don't go. And then at some point, you're like, I know I need to go, but I'm kind of scared to go because it's been so long since I've been. So can you just walk us through, again, to kind of reiterate the first question is like, who's who's the, the, the smallest level of kind of entry for a prospect or client for you? And then that second thing of, because that person is probably going to be dealing with that, like, I don't want to be embarrassed when I sit down with Cindy or someone on her team and show her what we got for HR right now, because I know she's going to be like, Ooh, rookie. So if you can like kind of land the plane on the episode with those two questions, would love it. Okay. I'm going to take question two first okay. and then I'll take question one. Perfect. So the reason we're in business is because people don't know how to do HR, which is awesome for us. So I love when people don't know what they're doing. It's just the greatest because it keeps us in business, right? If, ever, if I walked into every company and they're like, they had all the I's dotted, all the T's crossed, we wouldn't have a reason for existence. So I kind of want to hug people when they don't have it all together because that kind of validates our existence. So I love that. So when we walk into companies, a lot of times they don't even know what they don't know, right? So we don't know how much to quote them because they don't even know how much HR they need. So in often cases, we do something called an HR audit. Sounds terrible. We actually call it a blueprint, but the audit, you know, we called it a blueprint because people are scared of the word audit. So basically what that does is we spend a couple hours with people, some online and some in person, 
And we get a good snapshot. We actually make you look at a file that you have, if it's electronic or in person. We have you hold up or show us in person your I-9s so we can actually see them. Um, we ask you these strategy questions and culture questions, retention questions. We ask you this question, and I'll come back to it at the end, about do you have an individual retention strategy for your best employee? Hmm. So we'll come back to that. But we ask all these questions, and then we give you a scorecard. Green, red, yellow, right? Green is, oh my gosh, you're doing so great in this area. Congratulations, you don't need to do anything. Red is, okay, the government could come in here and do an audit and you could be in trouble. So let's work on that really fast, right? Because we don't want you to get a fine because those fines are killer sometimes, like $10,000 for like minimal things that you didn't even know you were doing wrong. And then the yellow side, these are the things that we need to work on. And then when we come in to do thriving, we actually take that and we say in this next 12 months, this is when we're going to do each of those things. In January, we're going to do this. In February, we're going to do this. In March, we're going to do this. Because what we've learned is that people can't ingest too much AHR at once because they're too busy doing their real jobs, right? So we don't want to give them 17 things that they can do. So instead, we we parcel those out during the year, not only so they can afford them, but also so that they can ingest them because we have to do them in concert with them. Make sense? Yeah, definitely does. Absolutely. I want to know how many people get reds, how many people get greens, and how many people get yellows statistically, though, bringing it back to the numbers side. I know you know the numbers because you're a mathematical economics degree graduate. Everybody gets, uh, you know, most of them are yellows and greens. Okay. And um, we rarely get a red. Like, oh, you know, so the Chad's going to be special. That's awesome. I get a virtual hug. <laughs> I like it. So, you know, and that's really fun. It's a fun time. We actually debrief the, the CEO and whoever else wants to be in there or whoever the CEO wants to be in there. And we don't talk really about, oh, I can't believe you've done it this way, but it's kind of like, here's an opportunity here. Here's, you know, here we need to make sure this is buttoned up because we don't want to give you a fine, right? Um, you know, we, we need to make sure that if somebody came into your office and did an I-9 audit, which is about to happen, by the way, for those of you listeners that have employees, um, we are about to see um, the Department of Labor come in and do lots more I-9 audits. And they're going to say, where are your I-9s right this second? And so know where they are, make sure they're locked up, make sure they're not in with any other employee paperwork and they're all by themselves um, in a locked cabinet, and then make sure they're all filled out properly. Or they're about $1,500 in I-9 if you don't have them done right. So little stuff like that. And so we just make sure all those are right. And honestly, our clients that come out of those meetings are like, oh my gosh, I feel like I know where everything is now, right? I know what we need to work on. Because before it was kind of the, the concern of the unknown. And now it's the, I know where we are and I know what we need to do. So I feel like they feel better about it. First question for our regular side of our business, which is our pl placing and um, staffing part of our business where we just find people for people. Um, of course, any size company. We work with a lot of solopreneurs where we place people for them that stay on our payroll, like executive assistants to CEOs 10 hours a week because they can't get to their emails um, or um, or social media specialists that can help them with their social media sites, you know, all those kind of things that as a small, small business owner, you need somebody 10 hours a week to do, but you don't need somebody full-time. So those kind of companies all the way up to you know, we work with big companies too, but we work with companies that also need full-time employees. So on the placement side, any size company really works. Um, the jobs that we work on are finance, administration, human resources, and law. So we don't do construction or, I mean, we do like bookkeeping for construction companies, but we don't hire 
site managers and people that, you know, hammer nails. We just don't do that. Or medical. I don't hire nurses, those kind of things. Um, and then for our other side, our, our human resources outsourcing side, the thriving side, we um, have worked with companies as small as three employees um, that were really trying to get all their foundations in order there of having being an employer, like writing employee handbooks and getting all that done. Um, and um, that thriving side can go up to about oh, 40 to 50 employees. And then after that, we need to look at finding you a full-time HR person. Awesome. That, help? that helps me a lot and it probably will keep Chad from getting sued soon. I'd like to place an order. Is this where we place an order now? I'd like uh, two Oh, you already have an order. Remember, I'm already billing you. Oh, yeah. I I need uh, the two-tier Thrive package and also like two additional CPAs. Let's be honest here. uh, You don't know what you need. You just need to hire Cindy to tell you what you need. That's a good point. That's probably the next best. The next wise move is Casey Riles. I like to say, do you want me to explain my individual retention plan comment? Yes, please. Wrap us up with that. Amazing. Okay, so this would be a fun one to wrap up with. So I want to compare it to the one I have to see how it lines up. So I'm interested to hear your version. He's kept that in the same place he's kept all of his I-9s. I-9s. We got some work to do today. A beautiful thing. Now you know what to do this afternoon. Um, Okay, so every employer, especially small business, should have three lists. And they can be three electronic lists or they can be three, say, yellow pads of paper. It just all depends if you're old school or new school. And you should have your employees on one of those three lists. Every employee needs to be on one of those three lists. List number one, that's when somebody comes into your office and gives you a resignation letter and you are so sad you cannot even function for the rest of the day. That's list number one, right? Those are the people that are your high performers. They may not be, it could be your janitor. You know, it doesn't mean that they're the highest paid people, but these are the people that do what they do so well. They embody the values of your company. When somebody thinks of your company, they think of that person, right? And if you lost them, you would be devastated. That's list one. List three, that's the person that when they come in and they bring a resignation letter to your office, you politely say, thank you so much for the letter. You close the door and you have a party because you have been wanting to get rid of that person for a long time and not pay unemployment. And now you finally don't have to fire them, right? That's list number three. List number two is everybody in between. And statistically, that should be about a bell curve. That should be about 85% of your people fall in that mid um, section. And those are the people that they earn what they make they are good at what they do. And yes, you would be sad if they left, but you would not be devastated, right? Those are the bulk of your people, right? And so list number threes, remember those are the people you'd be very happy if they left. Those people within six months should be moved to list two by training, development, and individual development plans, or they should be moved out of your company. If you keep people in list three for a long period of time, you will lose the people's in list one and two because they don't want to be around somebody who's sucking the life out of the company, right? So be careful with that. Those list number ones, this is where that individual retention plan comes in. If you haven't created an individual retention plan for all those people in list one and they give you a resignation letter, shame on you, right? Because we need to look at those people and say, right now, when they haven't given us a resignation letter and say, what is it going to take to keep these people? 
right? And it's not money. Remember, money is the number four reason people stay at a company. It's usually, um, do they feel valued? Do they feel like they are in the job that they're supposed to be in? Do they feel like you're giving them enough time off and they're not overworked, right? So are we looking at them? We've got a whole nother talk on this, but are you looking at them and saying, what is it that we can do to keep these people? And everybody's going to be different. You know, Sue may really want to be home in the afternoons with her daughter that gets home at school from school at three. So could we allow Sue to work from home from three to five, right? You know, it could be that the young person really, really, really wants to do mission work in the summer. And can you give them a couple of weeks off um, additionally at no pay so they can do some mission work? right, in addition to their vacation, you know, and it could be that um, that 30-year-old person that works at your company that's really trying to make ends meet, they really do need the additional money, so do we need to give them a raise to make that work, but everybody's going to be different because we need to be students of our employees. We need to be students of especially those people on list one enough that we know what motivates them, we know what drives them, and don't just assume money drives everybody because nowadays it doesn't, right? So we need to be students of them so that we can incentivize them properly. So how are we making sure that those people, so we should have a, a plan for each one of them, you know, Sue, Bob, Jill, and each one of those we should say, what is motivating them? Why could they leave? You know, is it because we don't have a path for them? Is it because they don't have the right salary? Are we 25% over market rate, at least on their salary? You know, those kind of things. Because a lot of times those great performers, they don't tell you they're gonna leave because they don't wanna disappoint you. They like you, right? And so the only time they, they, they tell you is the day they're leaving, right? They don't give you a heads up unless you ask. So do an individual retention plan for each one. And then if you've done all the work and you've said, this is what's going to keep Sue and you've done all those things and she still resigns, well, then you can at least go to bed at night saying, I tried, I did my very best, right? And it wasn't just that I ignored the situation. It's kind of like you do for your best clients. Your three best clients, don't you try to figure out how do I keep them happy? Why aren't we doing that for our own employees? That's awesome. Cindy, thank you so much for your time. Real quick, tell us how we can find you online for our listener and then also how they might be able to get more information on the individual retention strategy. Yeah, so we have a ton of library with videos. Unfortunately, most of them are me. So, you know, you got to listen to that. But we have a lot of videos on our innovative outsourcing website and it's innovative-outsourcing.com. There's a dash. And then Thriving, which is our HR outsourcing site, it's thrivinghr.io. And both of those can get to us. Um, But even if you don't want to use us, there's hopefully some great information in those videos that you can, you actually can listen to this whole thing on the three lists or the individual retention plans. There's actually individual videos on all of those that you can help have your managers listen to. It's all free. So this has been amazing. I I have learned a tremendous amount and not only uh am i grateful for your time and all you shared my team is going to be so tremendously grateful i I believe this conversation we've had today will change the way we approach and handle our business and our people and how we grow our company from here and i'm really really thankful for that and you sharing your expertise and and uh, want to continue conversations with you on ways we can harness your services and your skill and expertise in the areas that we just suck at. 
And go ahead and send that invoice to Chad at theentrepreneuradventure.com. No problem. Thank, I got that. <laughs> thanks so much for joining us. Um, it's been amazing. And I really just appreciate you and everything you're doing out there. You're welcome. You guys have a great day. Thanks, thanks you sir. too. If you're a fan of the Entrepreneur Adventure podcast, we would love to hear about it. You can leave us a review right here on your favorite podcast app. You can subscribe to the podcast or you can find us on Instagram at The Entrepreneur Adventure. Until next time, thank you for joining us.